Tiger fans, welcome to episode 33 of the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club podcast, bringing you all the latest news, updates, and buzz surrounding your mighty JSU Tigers. I'm your host, the Corey C., along with Charles Bishop. Be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. Apple users, rate and review the show, and everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Twitter. It all helps the cause, which is the, I love, Jackson State University. Joining me today is the new director of bands for the sonic boom of the South, Dr. Roderick Little. Welcome to the show and thanks for coming on. No, thank you all for having me today. It is a pleasure to be on with you guys. Yeah, Dr. Lula, I definitely want to thank you for coming on the show, and I want to uh, congratulate you for uh, being named uh, Director of Bands of the Sonic Boom on the South. And I wanted to just kind of first start off by asking you uh, how how's your family been and yourself during these unprecedented times? Uh, my family, we've all been doing well uh, during this pandemic. Uh, actually, it has caused a lot of positivity uh, on my end, actually, to just kind of take a take time rather than just kind of sit down and sit in one place and kind of reassess where we are in our lives at this particular point. And the most important thing is just spending more time with family. Uh, when you are in the band business, it takes away a lot of your time spend, uh, to spend rather with your family. And so this is actually pouring back into the time that was actually missed. Sure thing. Great perspective. I definitely appreciate that viewpoint, and I feel the same way. I echo those sentiments. So, uh, definitely, exactly. definitely good stuff. And, and as y'all said, congratulations on being director of bands for, and also one of the youngest in school history. That is, that is big stuff. I know you're honored, but uh, let's kind of start by talking about your path to becoming Jackson State director of band. What, what was that like? Um, well, I, I actually started. Um, well, just going uh, back before where I was going to begin. Um, I actually graduated from Lanier High School, so I am from Jackson, Mississippi, and um, quite naturally, what, what's funny about Lanier High School is that a lot of um, history that that is actually taking place at Lanier High School has something to do with Jackson State University. For instance, you had Mr. Kermit Holly, um, who was instrumental in starting the instrumental program at Jackson State University with students from Lanier. Uh, so I've always kind of felt connected to Jackson State in some way. So I left Lanier High School, went on to Jackson State University and played in the band program. I uh, played snare drum for two years, and I was drum major my last two years. Um, and it was a great breeding ground for me to learn. Uh, I had great directors there under the great leadership of Dr. Lewis LaBelle, who taught me an awful lot. Um, and after I uh, received my degree from Jackson State University, I went back to my alma mater, which was Lanier High School, and I continued to uh, shape and mold minds there. And we did uh, a great amount of work there at Lanier High School, an inner city school. And unfortunately, a lot of people uh, kind of, they, they write a lot of those students off um, in regards to thinking that they're going to be, quote, unquote, something in this life, of not knowing that those students who graduate from Lanier High School has a lot to offer uh, to their communities and also the whole world. And so I was very ecstatic to go back into that environment and give back to, to my um, environment and actually give back to students who were like me. And so we managed to accomplish an awful lot when I was at Lanier High School. We had wonderful students there, wonderful experiences. And uh, it just so happened that um, one of my former 
professors at Jackson State who actually taught me percussion, uh, Dr. Owen Rockwell now, he actually reached out to me and told me he was leaving Jackson State. And um, that was kind of like uh, my, my entrance to be on staff at Jackson State University. And all students at, at one point, they always have the dream of going back to Jackson State University and being a band director. And so that was my opportunity of actually doing that. And so um, long story short, I reached out to Mr. Taylor because uh, at that time he was looking for somebody to fill that percussion, um, the percussion slot that he had on his staff. And uh, the rest was kind of, as they say, it's history. Um, I got on Jackson State University as a part of the staff in 2012, in 2012, and I was assistant band director, and then I worked my way up to associate director bands, and then I worked my way up in uh, 2015 as a marching band director, and finally I'm here as, as the director of band starting July 1 of this year. Wow, that's awesome. Definitely a great journey. And, you know, you, you yeah. touched on it. You played in the boom yourself uh, while you were at Jackson State. What are some of your fondest memories of those days? Oh, wow. It's it's so many uh, because our band program is so special. And, and you learn a lot more than just music, you know, just band in general. But in the Sunday Boom of the South, you learn so much more than music. Uh, you learn things like, you know, time management and also just how to uh, how to interact with people overall in general. Uh, but I would say some of my fondest memories uh, was actually just working with my peers uh, and, and, it, and it being an actual breeding ground for me to kind of hone on my skills and be a future music edu- educator one day. Uh, so I had a coveted opportunity of being drum major over the Sonic Boom of the South. And uh, what that job basically entails, it entails uh, you to be basically kind of one step under the band director. And so what we would have to do as drum majors was uh, we would have to have to teach music, sometimes write music. Uh, teach drill, make sure that the discipline within the group was uh, was going on while the directors were not around. And so um, that really gave me a lot of experience to uh, be the director that I am today, um, to simply put. So without that experience at Jackson State University by working with such wonderful students and such a wonderful great band program, I'm not sure if I would have, uh, I'm not sure if I would have had, rather, uh, the the insight that I had at a young age to do what I'm doing now. Oh, wow, wow! That's that's a phenomenal uh, uh, story that you tell, and I wanted to kind of follow up on that a little bit, Doctor Lola, in terms of, you know, this is always kind of a fun question: is when you first got the news that you'd be the director of bands uh, for Jackson State, you know, what was that feeling like? How honored were you, and and how exactly uh, did you initially get that news? Um, well, it, first of all, I, I must admit, at this particular point, it's still surreal um, mm-hmm. for a number of reasons. The first reason is, is that, you know, you're coming behind Val Taylor, who is, is a, a giant in, in our field, not just at Jackson State University, but just music education in general. You talk about somebody who's been teaching at the university for over 30 years and, and who has given outstanding service. And so, you know, your, your first initial thought is, is how can I feel you know, such big shoes. And you, but the thing about it is you can't measure yourself upon, you know, somebody else. You just have to be yourself and try the best that you can, you know, possibly do. But, you know, then again, that, that was the initial thought, you know, how can you come behind such a person that meant so much to the Sonic Boom or the South of the University? But the good thing about it is, is that Dow Taylor, if anybody knows anything about Dow Taylor, he, he is a servant type of leader. And so he really groomed everybody on the band staff to assume this position one day. And, you know, he, he did uh, so well of a job in that to where uh, I'm 
not apprehensive about actually taking the reign of the Sonny Boom of the South. So as far as the work and moving the band program forward, uh, I'm very optimistic and very sure that I can do the task at hand. Uh, but again, you know, you just kind of think about all of the previous directions, directors rather, that, that has come before you and made an indelible mark in the band program. You just try to figure out how can you better the program from that aspect. So I just kind of look at it from a standpoint of continued success. Uh, but, you know, just to kind of answer your question uh, from a blanket sense, I, it, it's surreal at this moment. I don't think it's really going to hit me uh, probably until <laughs> July 1 because right, uh, June, exactly. the, yeah, June the 30th is, is his official last day, even though I've been doing a lot of the work already, you know, with recruitment and getting things together for the band for the following year. But I, I don't think it really just hit me yet. Uh, but it is, I mean, I, I really can't speak any words to 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 really uh express how I feel about this particular position because it just means so much to me uh it's it's a dream job to say the least, and the most important thing is that I get to pour into our students um you know what previous directors directors poured into me you know just that love that passion uh letting them know that we care about and we care about where they end up academically and um all those things are going to equate to how they do musically and how they march on the field. So I'm 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 over the moon excited about this opportunity. No doubt about it. <laughs> now speaking of Val Taylor, uh, whom you're replacing, he retired after 34 years of service to JSU, and he said he's leaving the band in good hands, and he's proud to, proud to pass the baton to you. And you kind of touched on it, but talk about your time working with him and being under his tutelage. Well, um you know, one one thing about Val Taylor is that he is very meticulous about what he does, and um, he's very kind of to the letter. And so I've always been that way as well, but uh, my focus and my attention uh, basically went to the field show component of the Sonny Boom of the South. That's one thing that I was not as strong in when I joined staff in 2012. Uh, so he really, you know, took me under his wing and, and, and taught me about all of the strategic details of how to put the show together, putting the show together, and how to chart drills and uh, things of that nature. And also, too, most importantly, I, I really just watched how he interacted and treated people. I mean, that's, that's so important in our field. A lot of times, uh, in particular, people in my age, they want to get out into the field and they want to be known uh, as being the next greater ranger or the uh, next best uh, drill writer or what they do in the field of music education. But a lot of times they lose sight on what they're doing for people and how they serve, you know, people and the students uh, that's in the band program. And so the biggest thing that I, I really took for him from him was how he, you know, treated the people that he came in contact with during his everyday life. And, you know, people, they're going to remember how you treat them over, you know, everything. You know, they, they, mm. may, they may not remember what music you taught them. They may not remember which drill you did for the most popular game during that season, but they will remember how you treated them. So the thing that Dow Taylor taught me the most was just being, you know, just a, a, a lot more empathetic. Uh, you know, when it comes to just how you treat people, because when you treat people the right way, they tend to treat, you know, you and the program the right way as well. So that's that's the biggest take back that I took from Dow Taylor. So many things that he taught me, but if I can choose one thing, that would be it. Well, that's awesome. And, and, you know, speaking of that toolage, Dr. Little, you know, in sports, usually when someone, you know, they come they come in and they're named the head coach of a team, they kind of come in and they lay out their vision of what they want and how they plan to get there. So I'm, I'm curious, what is your vision uh, uh, as director of bands, not only for the Sonic Boom, but also the, the auxiliary band components as well, sort of the music education part? 
Right. Well, you know, of, of course, um, you know, with being in this position, you kind of always think even, you know, when you come in as assistant band director and associate director bands and things like that, you're always thinking in your mind, how can I move this band program forward? Because you've had so many giants that have come before me, you know, like the great yeah. William W. Davis and Harold Halton and Dow Taylor, Lewis Liddell, and, and O'Neill Sanford. And so you just try to figure out how can you move the band program forward because it's already, already been successful in so many facets. Uh, but the way I look at it is I like to call it a continued success. Uh, so, you know, of course, the first thing, and I was talking to you guys earlier about, you know, just treating students, um, you know, in, in a positive light or approaching them in a positive light, that's the first thing that you will have to do or we will uh, continue to do in the Sonic Boom of the South, just thinking about how we create a positive social learning and teaching environment for the students, just to make sure that everything is safe so they can feel comfortable with doing what they do for us. Um, also, another thing would be just a retention uh, rate within the band program and making sure that our students uh, graduate. You know, that's that's one mm -hmm. thing that's very important. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, we pride ourselves in, in, in the Jackson State Uni University program with not only having the, 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 the best marching band in the nation, but also we focus on other ensembles as well. So uh, my goal is to strengthen uh, every un un ensemble underneath the umbrella of the JSU band program. Um, also help propel the Department of Music. You know, without the Department of Music, there will be no music educators, you know, like myself. So, um, you know, just help strengthen what we have there in that area. And also improving the, the national exposure of the band program. I feel like that at this point we are kind of hometown heroes. Not enough people know about the mystique and the energy and um, just a great name of the sonic boom of the South. And so it's my goal to put us out on the national, uh, national scale so more people can enjoy what our students do and what our band program has to bring um, to the nation overall. So, again, the, the the overall arching goal is just to make sure that we um, provide a, a good culture in the band program that's, that's student-centered, which aligns with the vision and the mission of Jackson State University. And again, retention and strengthening our ensembles and helping the Department of Music and um, just being more visible out there from a national standpoint. So those are the things that I'm going to be focusing on, and particularly uh, doing my tutelage as the director of bands of Jackson State University. Sure thing. Uh, here's a question, Dr. Little. I, I know a lot of times when I'm in the car riding and listening to music and, you know, I hear a song and, and I say to myself, man, this would be a good song for the boom to play or, you know, I think the boom should play this song. But but what goes into the, the song selections? Uh, what goes into that process? I mean, do you hear a song and immediately know it's band ready? Um, yeah, so we, we do that in a number of ways. Uh, we come up with um, songs from the staff perspective. I mean, we can hear something, you know, just kind of grocery shopping and think that that's a nice tune and say, you know, that is something nice that the band program can play. Or uh, we receive a lot of feedback from our students. Uh, they have a lot of uh, great tunes that we can play as well. You know, a lot of the current stuff they recommend uh, to us to play. And also, too, we have our great alumni out there who actually, you know, send us e emails and they're personal friends of ours, and they send us text messages and say, hey, man, you guys may want to look into playing, you know, this particular tune. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's, 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 I, I must admit, that's, that's one of the, the uh, tougher things that, you know, that we have have to, to kind of pinpoint in the program because we're talking about trying to please a, a, a large crowd of different types of generations. You know, you have yeah. people who was a part of the Sonic mm -hmm. Boom of the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. And so what we have to do is we have to trot that very uh, fine line on figuring out, okay, what is the most 
beneficial, what we what would be the most beneficial for us to play, you know, on Saturdays. And quite naturally, we try to appeal to the younger crowd uh, simply because those are the students that we're serving. I mean, we have to make sure that we keep those students interested in the in the band program and want them uh, to join the Sunday Boom of the South one day. But then at the same token, we, we do keep an eye on the people that march in the band program and try to bring back some of those fan favorites over the years and also try to reach back, um, you know, as far back as the 70s and try to pull some things out from that particular era as well. Sure, uh, you should sure have told Charles Bishop that because now he's going to be flooding your inbox with songs. <laughs> he goes, when you said back to the 70s, oh, man, you're going to look out. He's, hey. going to be, he's going to be flooding. Anything about <laughs> Earth, Wind, and Fire and Frankie Beverly and Mays, <laughs> hey, you got me on those. <laughs> man, the, the, the 70s was just the golden era. Just, I mean, just African-American people in general, man. I mean, you have so much great music and great things that, that African-Americans achieved during that time. So, I mean, quite naturally, when you just look at what was going on in the nation with African-Americans, it just spilled over to what was going on into the music. So, yeah, definitely have a lot of uh, great charts uh, from the 1970s there. I mean, we still play to this day. No doubt about it. And, and that kind of leads me into this question, uh, and especially with, with social media being what it is, uh, you know, Dr. Lil, we're, we're looking at we're 50-plus years, relatively 60 years in the HBCU show band. So I'm right. curious, you know, uh, in 2020, does the average HBCU consumer still get excited for field shows? Or the question I guess I kind of want to ask is how creative do you have to be now versus uh, maybe 1980, where social media wasn't so prevalent, or 1990s, or where social media wasn't so prevalent, where you kind of almost have to consistently uh, reinvent yourself because I, I guess with people watching YouTube or the constant or, or whatever website that they follow, uh, you can kind of get desensitized to, to, to field shows or, or whatever is being played currently. Man, you, you actually just said a mouthful there um, because we are definitely living in the age of social media, and it is a utter blessing, and it can be a curse at times. And I'll speak to it uh, from the sense of it being a blessing uh, first. So, of course, a, a lot of people can use the platform of social media to kind of get their word out there. And as you mentioned, a band is a brand. And so we really use social media to our advantage to get what we're doing in our band program out there to our fans and our constituents. Uh, so that's a very important vehicle that we use just to kind of let people know what we're doing and the amazing job that our students do from week to week. Now, the caveat to that, or I would say is not necessarily a pro, but a con is, as you mentioned, we do have to reinvent ourselves almost every single week. And uh, what I, I think a lot of people don't realize is that even though the marching band is, a, is an entertainment entity, uh, it's not that of which that's, that's the same of the music industry like a Beyonce or the Jay-Z's or the Lil Wayne's of the world or where they actually get paid to do what they do. They get paid to give you uh, fresh content from week to week and things like that. So what people better realize is that our students are not necessarily getting paid. Of course, they get scholarships to, to come to Jackson State University, but that's not all of our students. And the students get scholarships based upon how they do musically and, and what they do to enhance the band program. So it's kind of like a hand-in-hand -hand venture. So they're not necessarily getting paid to provide that entertainment to the public, 
uh, in regards mm-hmm. to having things fresh from week to week. And so really, to be honest, it's very hard on the staff and students to come up with new and innovative ideas from week to week because we do know that our fans expect so much of us, and we do appreciate that because it's going to push us to provide quality in our band program. But I must admit, it is very hard. We're, we're kind of recreating ourselves every year and every week. We're coming up with a new play playlist for what we call the fifth quarters and coming up with a new field show uh, almost every week, and the students and, and the students still being able to be regular students, <laughs> you know, right. at Jackson State University. You know, they have to keep up with all of the music. They have to keep up with all of the um, charts and the steps that we that we teach from the field shows, and and amongst all that, they still have to keep up with their studies. So uh, we're actually reconfiguring the way that we do things in our band program to you know to make it a little bit easier on the students mentally because it's very hard to kind of keep up in the world that's ever so changing. And the the demand of the band program has, has become so much to where you, you have to be on every single week. Now, when you talk about a time when, when I was in the band back in 2003, 2004, 5, and 6, you only had the VHS tapes that you would only, uh, you know, right. be able to get <laughs> if you had a friend <laughs> of a friend that had this tape from this particular game. And nine sure. times out of ten, those videographers, they would go and they will film – um, the most important games, like when we play Southern or Tennessee State or, you know, those particular opponents like that. And so those would be kind of like the only shows that people will see from that season, and people were kind of uh, cornerstone or they were kind of um, – I guess they would kind of assess the season based upon those particular uh, shows. So you're talking about two shows being seen through VHS tape, if you were lucky – versus anybody seeing the band from week to week, you know, in regards exactly. to its ups and its downs. So it's very taxing, again, as I mentioned, you know, on the students, but that's that's a risk that we're just willing to take. I mean, that's just um, social media at this particular time. But what we have to do is we have to be smart as the staff to make sure that we're not putting too much on our students so they can be successful at the end of the day and graduate from Jackson State University and kind of just uh, making sure that they are where they need to be mentally so we're we're just not dumping on them new music and new drill from week to week. So that, that's a very good question. I appreciate you asking that. Oh, no doubt about it. And it kind of it leads me back to something that you were already uh, touching on. But, you know, as, as the director of bands, just where do you draw the line of playing what's trendy now Versus what what's uh, versus you know fan favorite hits from yesteryear. Just you know how do you make that I guess calculated decision from uh, in terms of what you're going to add to your book uh, you know week to week in terms of what you're going to play. Right, right. So the, so the way we look at it is uh, we have contrary to to what students are popular believe or what they may believe we have more people to watch the band program when we do our field shows. Uh, so you have to think about it from from this particular standpoint. When we're out there on the field, you have basically everybody typically who's in the stadium who did not go to go to the concession stands, uh, which is you know virtually nobody because that's kind of like the HBCU band experience. They they like to see the bands at halftime. Uh, so with you have by you having so many eyes, you have all of those different types of errors kind of looking at you at that particular point. So what we try to do in our field shows, we try to cover music from kind of all different type of areas in that particular form. So if you take a look at our field shows, you'll hear, you'll hear music from all different types of uh, eras and, and genres to try to make sure that we kind of play to 
or uh, make sure that we have something for everybody in our shows when we present those uh, to the public. Um, now, with the fifth quarter, that's typically our younger crowd. Uh, and when I say our younger crowd, you're talking about uh, people who were kind of like in the in the late 90s and 2000s. Those would be the people who are really kind of looking forward to hearing the fifth quarters. And so we try to keep that particular uh, part of what we do kind of subjective around the younger crowd versus towards like a, like I mentioned to you like the late later rather nineties crowd as well. So it's 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 you have to map it out. Uh again it's something that's that's not easy to do. It's it's not a one size size fits all type of thing. Uh but we do try to do we do try to uh plan for it as best as we can to make sure that we kinda of please all of those um all of those age groups. No, thank you for providing, providing clarity on that, uh, Dr. Nolan, because I think that's something a lot of, you know, just layman fans just are curious about. So thank you for providing that uh, that insight. My pleasure. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Great insight uh, on that decision-making, so appreciate that. So I have a question. When, when, when the boom isn't uh, at an away game, when you guys don't travel with the team, fans always wonder why you didn't travel, and they're, they're usually – uh, pretty disappointed, and that's myself included. I'm, I'm guilty of that. But not only the JSU fans, also the opposing fans, they're disappointed as well. So can you discuss some of the reasoning uh, that goes into those decisions or maybe the cost associated with moving the boom from 1400 Lynch Street to any particular away city? Right. Well, it, it takes a uh, a massive amount, uh, the, the, depending upon where we're going to travel the man program, um, so, for instance, we can be looking at anywhere between um, 200 to 300 students traveling from week to week, and, and, and that incurs a lot of costs. When you're talking about traveling, you're talking about meals, you're talking about lodging, and so um, we have to have the money to make sure that our students are taken care of properly uh, because we are not going to leave Jackson State University uh, not riding in the best of transportation. Uh, we're, we're not going to leave Jackson State University uh, not making sure that our students are not fed properly. And also the same thing can be said with lodging. So nine times out of ten, we're really ten times out of ten, if, if the Sunday Boom of the South is not at a game, it is uh, solely based upon where we are from uh, a budgetary standpoint. Hmm. All right, makes sense. Appreciate yeah, that. So yeah, yeah, so, so every year we, we are allotted uh, a certain amount of monies to go and do the things that we do. It's called the operating budget. And so basically if, if we find that we can't squeeze a game in for a particular weekend and we can actually uh, put that money towards another major weekend or a major game or something like that, then we have to make that tough decision. No doubt about it. it. All right, and we touched on it at the, the top of the show, and I, I know Charles – you know, actually how you and your family were doing, are doing these uh, these unprecedented times. And these are often challenging times right now with, with COVID-19. How do you feel the bands will adjust? Uh, you, you, will they, you know, sit six feet apart or you know, will they play virtually <laughs> on the big screen? <laughs> or what are the contingencies? Uh, should there be a football season with or without fans? Right. Well, that is definitely the hot hot topic uh, out there in the profession of music education and band. Everybody is just trying to figure it out. I think the whole nation is trying to figure it out. Um, and so what we have done on our end is that we have developed uh, a contingency plan um, that is centered around how we will be moving forward with the band program for next year. Um, as you all may, may have heard, uh, we are actually going to be opening up in the fall semester. 
And so we're mm-hmm. currently looking at plans as to what that's going to look like for our students. Uh, of course, that's going to cause us to do things a lot differently, uh, like i.e. making sure that all the students are tested before they even come uh, for band camp, or it, or if we even feel as though it may be too early to have band camp at all, because uh, quite naturally the most important thing is to make sure that our students are safe uh, prior to even coming right. to band. Uh, so we, we are talking about a lot of different uh, types of cases and scenarios to subject our students to to see if we can make this thing work. Uh, but right now, to give concrete answers is kind of too early to tell. Uh, the July 1 date is kind of like the, the, the date that we're going to have to make some hard, concrete decisions in regards to how we're going to move forward with the band program. Uh, but the good thing is, is that the staff, we have been planning as if uh, we will be having a regular season, so we are actively recruiting. As a matter of fact, before um, chiming in onto the call, I was actually recruiting a couple of students prior to that. So we do have students who are very highly interested in Jackson State University. Uh, so once everything is a bit clearer around the nation, you know, we have to know what the nation is, is doing and how they're moving forward first with a lot of things before we kind of know how we're going to move forward with the band program. So once we figure out exactly what that looks like from the nation, a regional and a university standpoint, then we will know what, uh, how we're going to move forward with the Sonic Boom of the style. But all in all, um, if we come back in a regular sense uh, from what we've been doing, or what we have been doing in the previous years, the Sonic Boom will be ready to go. We've been in constant contact with our uh, band staff. We have biweekly meetings with our band staff, and we have been in contact with our students as well, you know, letting them know the things that they need to kind of get in and making sure that they're prepared uh, for the season overall. So we're very optimistic about what the fall semester is going to look like, and we are very excited about the about what the band program is going to look like for next year, even amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, you know, Dr. Lula, and you mentioned recruiting, but that, that leads me into this next question in terms of uh, we all know the Sonic Boom is one of the most popular bands in the nation. So um, I'm curious, what are your ex- expectations as far as the population of the Boom, and, and even on a broader scale, uh, do you think in the short term HBCU bands could be significantly affected by this COVID-19 pandemic? Um, yes, I, I think that just overall institutions will be uh, affected by, by the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. In particular, the, the general population, I really don't see it from the standpoint of band students because, you know, band students, they love bands so much to where they're just willing to make a sacrifice to just to be a part of band and not necessarily the sacrifice sure. to, to subject themselves to danger or anything like that. But nine times out of ten of a student, if they have their mind made up on where they're going and if they want to play music at that particular institution, they're going to be coming. So from that particular standpoint, how it will affect our numbers, uh, it, it will not at all. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, uh, from this particular standpoint today, our numbers are actually going to increase in the sonic boom of the South. Uh, oh, wow. As you mentioned, because yeah, because of our popularity and the things that we've done in the past, and and students tend to gravitate towards quality, right? And so what we um, tend to focus on heavily in our band program is quality. You know, it's, it's not about how many things that we do; it's, it's the time and the attention, the detail that we place into that particular product. And so it's just like anything else in this life. That's why people make commercials. They they uh, put forth their product in a very positive light, hoping that people will say, hmm, I want to be a part of that, or I want that. And so that's, so that's the same thing that we do with the Sonic Boom of the South. And so, again, we're going to be growing in numbers uh, as it relates to the band, but we do expect for, for there to be um, – 
some some negative connotations as it relates to uh, students still attending the university because as quiet as it's kept, some students may just be afraid, you know, to leave home and, and come and, right. and subject themselves to people who may be uh, affected or infected or uh, with the COVID-19 virus. Sure thing. Now, that's a, a great answer to that question because I think that's something that a lot of uh, fans are, and, and perspective answers are probably curious about in terms of uh, the sonic boom of the South. Uh, let me ask this question, and I'm sure this is a this is one of those case study type questions that I'm sure it'll perk up the ears of students over there in, the, in, the, in Charles F. Moore School of Business. But let me ask: Do you think the Sonic Boom could be better served uh, in the Department of Athletics versus the School of Education? And I only ask that question uh, strictly from a marketing and business perspective of potentially more visibility or sponsorship. Just kind of, what are your thoughts in, in that regard? Oh yeah, de- definitely. Well, the, the goal is, is is to definitely improve uh, what we do from the athletic side that is connected with the Sonic Boom of the South because we're all in it together. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, there's a thing that we call one JSU, and so we can't thrive without the other actually soliciting help in one area that may be weak or vice versa. So with that being said, we do plan to partner with the athletic department a whole lot more than what we have been um, in the past wow. because I, I think that we've been doing a good job um, so far. So there's always room for improvements. Uh, I know that Mr. Taylor has been working with uh, the AD and the, and the assistant AD uh, prior to his departure. I mean, even with us being present at basketball games. So it is my goal to continue that because we want to strengthen all facets of the university. It's, it's not just about us. It's, it's about Sure. Uh, primarily uh, making sure that the students are successful and making sure that if we can use our brand to um, to help with, with other entities across campus, then we're definitely going to do that. And, of course, band and athletics, they go hand in hand. Uh, of course, right. we serve under the Department of Music, which is very important because we are a musical ensemble. But in regards to forging a relationship with uh, athletics, I'm very excited, you know, about the things that we're going to be doing in the future. I've, I've uh, actually had an initial conversation with uh, with A.D. Ashley, and so we ha- kind of talked about some things in general, nothing in detail yet, but we just kind of talked about some things in general, how we're both young and how we're both energetic and how we both have a lot of ideas. And so marrying those ideas together to making sure that it's a benefit to our students and the athletic department and the band department, we're not going to do anything but do, but, but have an upward trajectory in the future. Sure thing. Great, great answer. And I was always curious about that, but to kind of hear that, that linear vision moving forward with um, the sign boom of the South and the athletic departments, that's tremendous to hear. Absolutely, and we're very excited about that. No doubt. Oh, and Dr. Little, before you you leave, I I definitely want you to, uh, you know, uh, extend a shout-out to to your staff that does such a tremendous job in terms of of making the sonic boom look great. Absolutely. I I was just about to make mention of that. Um, So what we do in the sonic boom of the South is is definitely a team effort, Uh, and so without without the team of gentlemen, and young ladies that I'm about to make mention of, we cannot make the Sonic Boom of the South possible, and the JSU band programs possible. So first we have Mr. Lowell Hollinger. Uh, he's also an alum with Jackson State University and, and has have been working with the JSU band program for a long time. Uh, he has actually catapulted our win ensemble to the next level, so he's doing an excellent job there. And also um, a lot of his time, the efforts have been uh, placed toward the Sonic Boom of the South as well. 
Uh, we have Mr. Kevin Johnson. He's our assistant band director and chief arranger. Uh, man, I, I, there's so many things I can say about that gentleman. He is he is a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he has he has been arranging for the Sonic Boom of the South ever since uh, the 2000s. Uh, he actually started arranging for the Sonic Boom when he was a freshman in the band program. Um, so he has uh, contributed. Yeah, he, he has contributed a lot to the band program. Um, and then we have uh, Miss Chloe Crowley. She is the JSET director. Uh, that is undoubtedly the hardest working woman because she has the most visible entity of the sonic boom of the South to look after. Uh, the, our young ladies, they, they have it so tough. They have it so hard because so many people watch them. Uh, so hats goes off to her by being an excellent mentor and steering them in the right direction. Uh, and uh, we have Mr. Calvin Berry. He's our percussion assistant. Uh, who actually helps us with our Warren Thunder percussion drum line. And last but not least, we have Ms. Courtney Lett. She's our executive administrative assistant. Uh, she's the person that makes sure, uh, that makes sure rather, we have everything paid when we go and travel, and, make, and she makes sure that all of the plans and, and um, the planning, rather, is in place when we get ready to go to all the different types of games or whatever uh, engagements that we may have throughout the week. And so, again, uh, without the staff, we would not be who we are today as the Jackson State University Band Program. And last but not least, the, the, the diamond in the rough, the, the true MVPs, and it's our students. I mean, they are phenomenal. And so to all of our alumni out there, uh, we love you. We appreciate your support um, that you give to the Sunday Boom of the South day in and day out from week to week, from game to game. And we can't do this without you. So we need your support. Um, more, more namely, just supporting our students. I mean, if you are uh, friends with them on social media, please let them know uh, that they're doing an excellent job. You know, uplift them. Uh, let them know that what they did uh, at the game, that, uh, the, the previous game that we had, it, it made you proud. It brought a smile to your face. So, again, continue to uplift them. If you cannot uh, give to the band program from a monetary standpoint, Again, your words of encouragement means an awful lot to our students. And so we appreciate you guys for doing that. And um, contingent upon how this COVID-19 is going to turn out, we look forward to bringing a better and a stronger sonic boom of the South for the fall semester. No doubt about it. Yes, indeed. Last but not least, uh, Dr. Little, we had the founding members of the 1400 Club on our most recent episode, and they spoke very fondly of the boom and their relationship with you guys. And many of the original members of the 1400 Club played in the band while at JSU. And I know they've donated T-shirts, hats, windsuits, and other items. So what uh, has been the boom's relationship with the 1400 Club? Wow. Uh, well, actually, it's, it's been, to your point, it's been a very great relationship, Um you have a gentleman like Brian Easley. He and I actually marched in the band program together. Uh, he actually designed uh, one of our newest logos. Of course, we, we, we have uh, our older logo, which we love, uh, but we do have a, uh, a newer logo that was branded way back in 2015, and so he was uh, instrumental in getting that logo to us because he actually does uh, some creative design in that way. And then we have uh, Thaddeus Reed, who's with Reed Enterprises, who um, actually does a lot of uh, paraphernalia work, but not just the band, but just the university in general. And so those guys have poured back into our band program like none other. And and we have basically, uh, we have generally benefited from their work over the time. All right, good stuff. No doubt about it. Yes, indeed. 
All right. Well, we definitely want to thank you for coming on. We really appreciate all the insight. And I know the JSU supporters will really enjoy this episode because we love our Sonic Boom. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a, an awesome pleasure uh, to be on with you all. And, and I look forward to coming on in the near future and talking about all of the things that the Sonic Boom of the South has to offer and all of the improvements that we have put in place up until that point. Anytime, thank you very much, anytime. Dr. Little, for coming on. And then thank you, guys. You, said, you, mentioned, you mentioned that, too, uh, before the recording, you were uh, doing some recruiting, so we definitely want to let you get back to that because we want to see that boom continue to grow. <laughs> Will do. Will do. All right. Well, that'll do it for Episode 33 of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Thank you to all of our listeners. And, again, be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast. Apple users, rate and review the show. And everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Twitter. Leave a question or a comment while you're at it, and we'll be sure to read it on air. I can't stress the importance of this enough. We're looking to do some big things with this platform to aid the athletics department, and it all starts with you. Downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. And tell every tiger that you know. We're on all podcast outlets. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and so on. And we'll be posting each episode on our Facebook and Twitter pages. As always, thank you for your support. And on that note, go Tigers. Hashtag love the boom.